This is the EWN Podcast Network. If you're someone that feels like you have a lot to say, but either you're afraid to say it, or you just feel like you're not being heard, then meet Carrie MacArthur. Hi, I'm Carrie. If you have ever felt like you're invisible or that you want to be invisible, like you've lost touch with who you are, I just want you to know that I understand. I was there and I have spent the last six years of my life reconnecting to myself, my power, and my purpose. And now it is my passion to help you to dare to find your voice. So if you're ready, say I'm ready. I'm ready. Welcome. I am here today with Dr. John Porman. And I met you, John, back in, has it been three years ago now? At an eWomen yep. Network event, right? <laughs> it was a small event. There were four of us. And I was kind of shocked when I got there to find that there was a man in my women's group. But quickly, <laughs> quickly, we just hit it off. We connected. That whole group had such a synergy, right? And there was just such a heart and a and a power there in that group. And, um, John, I was very touched with your vision and your passion about what you do and what inspires you. Um, so what I know about you, I've met your lovely wife, Jen, and the two of you together are a powerhouse. You have a chiropractor you. clinic. You're welcome. You guys run, well, she's a physical therapist, right? Yep. And well, she you run my clinic and we, well, we practice together. She runs the front and then also works in the back with me. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Just right there. I'm like, whoa, that's just really cool because you're both, you know, come with a passion and then you put it together. I think that's really amazing. And then also you are a motivational speaker, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing that for about 20 years. And then in the last year plus, um, we started our legendary living retreats for couples, for individuals, for, you know, people in general. Um, and then uh, more recently, my wife and I are starting to, to compile a book because we've had people talk to us about, you know, what it is that, you know, these great couples that can stay together for long periods of time and overcome a lot of tragedy and stuff, what is it that makes them, set them apart? And so we we're on a journey to do that. And um, I'm just, you know, trying to find people that we can find that we believe are relationships and figure out what it takes to create a legendary relationship so that's that's been kind of the word that I've used in the last like 10 years is you know uh, Nike has that slogan of just do it mm -hmm. and it really bothers me because to me that that denotes just the bare minimum you do just enough to get by <laughs> and in our society we do just enough of that like like for me like you know we you and I were just talking off the air and saying that you know the news you can turn on the news anywhere Facebook or or the local news or, or national news, and you can find all these horrific stories about just some horrific people doing some horrific acts to other you know, innocent people. And yet there's a lot of good things in this world. Mm -hmm. And you know, we, we get what we focus on. You know, Mother Teresa said back in the 70s when she was asked, would you march against the war, the Vietnam War? And she said, no. And they said, why? You're for the Vietnam War? And she said, no, I'm for peace. You ask me to march for something, I will, but to march against something, I won't do. Yes. So, you know, it's kind of that idea. You get what you focus on in life. So we want to focus on what it is. What is it to create health? What is it that What is it that you do to create that health and and wealth in a relationship? Um, and it's the physical. It's the emotional. It's the spiritual. It's the nutritional. It's the mental. And so that's what we really try to focus on. 
um, in like our retreats, but even every day in our clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's our big, our big goal is we try to touch people on every level we can because as you know, that there's people have a, a physical trauma, you know, but with that physical trauma can be emotional baggage that comes along that either preceded it or now is, is in uh, occurrence with it at the same time. That if you're only treating people on that physical level, you might be missing things that five, 10 years later, 20 years later, pop up and rear their head and, you know, people can't figure it out. So that's what we try to do is to work on um, the, the entire aspect of the human being instead of just one aspect like a lot of people do. That's amazing. There's this whole health thing, right? And I, I used to like kind of agree sort of with the whole idea of the mind-body connection. In the last few years, though, I have become so much more aware and so sold on how my emotions and my thoughts um, really pay um, pay a price, I guess, or they or they really contribute to how I feel physically and vice versa. The synergy and the the balance that we have in all of our aspects of our lives are it's just such a, a beautiful and a powerful thing. And I know that that has become a part of your passion. So I would like to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, I would love to hear your story of how you came to discover this passion of yours. And then just um, for you to explain to us, what is it that you that you do at your retreats and, and sure. all the things with people? So hang tight. Okay. We'll have a commercial. And we'll be right back. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand, and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. All right, so... Dr. John, um, tell us the story of how you arrived at where you are now. Wow. I mean, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I like to ask those kinds. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you that, the, that I mean, I could go in a million directions, right? But mm-hmm. when I was 15 years old, my sister uh, got killed in a car accident. And so because of that event, you know, be careful what you wish for in life, you know, whether it be something you think is going to be amazing in your life or you know, you um, are really just strong about things that seem to appear to be really negative because that event uh, put me to where I am now today. I, I can guarantee you that with, with, without a shadow of a doubt mm-hmm. because my sister um, was, was an amazing human being. And I didn't really know her because she was so much older than I was. Um, she was 22 and, and or 23 and I was, I was 15. And so when she passed away, my parents weren't really big into talking anyway. You know, this is back in 1980 and so I really had nobody to talk to. And so when we had her funeral, people were coming up left and right telling me, 
what my sister, I mean, people were lined up outside. I went outside to, to get inside the, uh, the uh, funeral car because I left something out there and I looked around the corner and was like, oh my gosh, there were people like five deep, like hundreds of them. And this is back in 1980, there was no internet, you know? <laughs> and it was only because of word of mouth and it really hadn't been in the paper but a couple of days and then we had our viewing and there were hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, braving the cold because it was sleeting, snowing, raining. It was just terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would come up and tell me how that they, she had changed their life, you know, that their life was never going to be the same. And so nowadays I would say she didn't change it. She trans- helped them transform their life because these were prostitutes and alcoholics and homeless people and drug addicts. And my sister took them to their, at their appointment. She borrowed the car. She gave them their last dollar. Da, da. You have to understand, my sister worked at Dunkin' Donuts. Hmm. So my sister had no money, but the money that she had, she she felt that it was her purpose in this life to serve others. And so I remember when this guy came up and told me how he'd been homeless and how that, you know, my sister kept telling me, you have to believe that you're worthy of more than that. And when you finally believe that, and truly believe that, that things, miraculous things will happen in your life. And he said, that's exactly what happened. I'm no longer homeless. And I went, wow, that's the impact I want to have on, on other human beings' lives you know, like my sister just had and she had on them, but then also she's had on me. And so now I can tell you that hundreds of thousands of people, and I can say that with all confidence, hundreds of thousands of people have been touched because of my sister Cindy, because of what she's done directly in working with people, but then all the other people like myself, that that's motivated me and and made me, given me my beacon and my guide. That's my sister's been for me to know what it is I want to do in this life. And so, you know, in my clinic every day, I don't just do it. I'm legendary because that's what my sister was. Now, I didn't know that term back in 1980, but I knew that I wanted to be something more than what I was at that point, which I was still was a great leader. I was always leading my high school teams and, and um, junior high teams and all that. And, you know, I was a really big kid and I was a great athlete and stuff, but I knew I wanted to do more with my life. And whether it be with sports or academics or whatever it was, I knew I wanted to do more and help people. And that's really what I'm doing now. I'm fulfilling the vision that I had back in 1980 when my sister passed away uh, and every day we're we're looking to figure out how do we implement new things that can help our clients who are also our friends to achieve a legendary life and how is it that we can help them to maintain that like what is it that they need and everybody's formula is a little bit different because they come with either different baggage they come with different tool sets they come with different visions of what they want in their life and that's what we do, um, whether it be in our clinic on one-on-one in that short setting or whether it be in group settings when we do retreats or if it's when we do our individual coaching um, with people. That's that's the whole idea of trying to figure out what they want from this lifetime and, mm. and to not be afraid and to listen to what other people tell them is or isn't possible because you've got to remember at one point the Earth was supposedly flat and we never put anybody on the moon. And you could just go on and on and on about all the different things that these really small thinkers um, would say about individuals or about certain concepts or about certain events or possibilities. And now we realize, oh my gosh, that's 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 common. That's common common sense that you could do that. I mean, Albert Einstein was being told that he was stupid, and it was just what he was so intelligent <laughs> that he was actually smarter than his teachers. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's where it all started. If you had to, I mean, there's been other events. Throughout my life, um, hundreds or, or thousands of them that kind of either kept me on course or put me back on course. But it was always the the, the driver was always my sister um, because I mean I pay homage to her every day. You know, yeah. I tell her I love her every day, and, and every day I, I will look at people. I I look and say, 
if that was my sister, what would I, how would I be treating them? You know, and, and that's just the way I approach every day. Wow. That's so beautiful. She was, um, you hear that quote, be the change you want to see in the world. And it sounds like that's what she was. And that's what sparked your heart. It sounds like the passion to be the change, to be legendary. I was just looking up the word legendary in the dictionary and it says of or relating to the nature of a legend. So I looked up legend and there's several definitions, but the one that I'm looking at that sounds like it's what you're talking about, what your goal is and what you're wanting to be and also help people to become is, um, it, well, one of them is a collection of stories about an admirable person. So an admirable person, a person who is the center of such stories and the story of a life of a saint, especially one stressing the miraculous and unrecorded deeds of the saint. And it just sounds to me like that's, you know, those miraculous deeds, those heart to heart, those little things that make a huge amount of difference, right? Is that what you're talking about when you say be legendary? It, it, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you this last weekend, we uh, flew to see a patient um, that had been in a coma-like state. He was kind of like in a vegetative state because he'd had a stroke. And then after he had the stroke, he fell um, and hit the ground. And so now he had two bleeders in his brain. Well, two years plus later, he's in this vegetative state and he doesn't talk. He doesn't really do anything. Uh, and within... I don't know, maybe two or three hours. We ha- I had him laughing. Um, I had him carrying a conversation with me. Now, I, I couldn't understand all the words because the guy hasn't spoke for two- over two years. Mm-hmm. But there were some words. Like I said, hey, I said, uh, Fatah, where are you from? And he looks at me and he goes, Cambodia. Hmm. And I had thought from friends that had told me about him, how I met him, I thought he was actually from the Philippines. So when he said that, that wasn't what I, I didn't hear something I wanted to hear. He said it softly but loud, you know, but I mean, I should say he said it softly but, but very uh, intelligible. You could understand what exactly he was saying, mm-hmm. but that wasn't what I was expecting to hear. And so, you know, we did a bunch of brainwave therapy stuff with him, um, microcurrent units and stuff like that we did with him. And we could literally, if he was dead asleep, I could wake him up by stimulating certain parts of his brain. They weren't on his head either. They were just on his hands and his feet, but we were stimulating his nervous system. But even the bigger thing I told patients or my patients here in the clinic was, I think the biggest impact was, is I actually saw him for who he is. I didn't see him in mm. the body. I didn't see him all crippled up. I didn't see that. And I, I saw this amazing, you know, legendary soul inside that just wanted someone to take the time to let him talk because he talked a little slower, obviously, mm. and um, be with him and absolutely be with him and just be present and not think about anything else I had going on and just be with them. And it was amazing. There was one point I was with him for six days and there were five days. There was one point where for like two hours, he was just jibber jabbering, like nonstop. We were just talking back and forth and I would make him laugh. And, you know, and he's like this real jokester in life uh, before this all happened and stuff. And I think that I was the first person though, that actually cared enough to actually sit down talk to him, hold his hand and like, just really get him and see him Mm -hmm. for who he is. And um, that, that, that's what this life is about. It's not about how much money we make, which is great, and because you can do more with that, and I can help more people with that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, no one really cares about how much money I made or how big my house is or what kind of car I drive or what they really care about are those relationships and those experiences. That's what you're gonna talk about when you know, you're sick or you're ill at the very end is you're gonna talk about all those great relationships you have and those are the people who are gonna show up and you know, say goodbye to you and stuff. 
but you're also going to have in your mind and you're going to be able to talk about all these great experiences that you experienced with those people. And so I really think that's what this life is about is touching people at the heart level. You know, what's really interesting is the heart in 1978 was reclassified from an, from an organ, which is what we still classified it. We still say that even though it's not, mm-hmm. and it was reclassified as an endocrine gland. And the reason they did that was, is that they could measure that the heart sent more chemicals to the brain than the brain did to the heart. So mm-hmm. when, when people say, oh, that's so touching, they touch their heart, they don't touch their head. You know, mm-hmm. if they say like, oh, that's just, you know, that's so sad, they touch their heart. And so we can mm-hmm. measure the heart, that the brain we can measure to a, several feet, but the heart we can measure between 15 and 20 feet that it gives off this electrical impulse. And so, you know, if we're led by that and not led by our, our, our head, but if we're led by our heart, I don't think we ever go wrong. I think that's when we do the right things, even in maybe tough situations, but we do the right thing because we just look at it and go, that's the right thing to do. Hmm. That's incredible. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard that before, but it makes a lot of sense to me because my head, I'm in my head a lot and my head is always working. <laughs> However, it's when I connect my head to my heart that I, um, that I feel a power coming from me. And it's also when people tell me they feel something from me as well. So it, it does, um, have to be from my heart. And then maybe the brain is the, the connection that sends it out. I don't know exactly what the connection is there. I'm still like studying and looking into that. However, I know the heart has to be a big part of it. So that's really awesome. You, um, yeah, well, if you look, you know, if you look at hospital uh, patients is that when they bring in those service dogs or service animals, that mm. they'll measure the heart rate variability and the heart rate of the animal and of the, the, the patient. Mm-hmm. And it's those animals can actually help the patient to get in sync with them. And then their brain waves actually become coinc- coincidental. They coincide. And mm. that's how they believe that these animals actually help people because they have this ability to be able to tap into people's hearts and, and heads through their frequencies of their heart and their head. Mm. And so when we link our hearts with our heads, we become more what's called coherent. And there's actually tons of research on that through a company called HeartMath. And you can look up all that stuff and a lot of that stuff free. They also know that, you know, when people talk about, well, that person has a bad fiber, they don't have good energy. They actually, it's very, very true that there's, you can measure people's frequency that comes off of them, whether you're talking about an aura or whether you're talking about the actual energy coming off of them, you can measure it um, in like a milligauss to measure that. And uh, we know that people that are happy give off a different energy than people that are sad. Mm-hmm. And people close to death have almost no energy coming off their body. And when they die, then it's gone. They, they have nothing coming off of them. Um, if you did like a curling photography where it measures the energy, same type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- if you can connect your heart with your head, you'll be led by your heart. Obviously, you have to think about what it is you're doing and that kind of thing. But if you're led by your heart, you'll actually make the right choices because that's when you're in what's called coherence. And coherence is, is known to be the, the, the place where athletes get into the zone is when they're led by their heart, not by their head. If they have to think about the actions that they're going to do, they're too slow. Where if it becomes automatic and it's being led by a different aspect. And so what a lot of psychologists believe now is that, that those athletes are in the zone is when they're sinking the heart with the, mm. with the brain. Hmm. That's fantastic. It really actually um, describes my own story so well because before I um, realized that I wasn't living my life to my full potential, I I saw myself as 
three different people. I was a mental person, I was a spiritual person, and then I had this body that I didn't like that much. And so I, I tried to make oh, it wow. invisible. And um, it wasn't just the physical aspects of my body. However, that was part of it. It was just, I wasn't connected at all to my heart or to my body. And it's been in, you know, my, my whole platform is now finding your voice. And in finding my voice, I, I've had to integrate my body, my mind, and my spirit to work together and to be that source. And so it goes right along with what it is that you talk about. There's, we're not just, um, two dimensional. We're not just linear people. We're like full power sources all, you know, within ourselves. And so when you are helping somebody then to connect and, you know, with what it is that you do as you work with people, are you able to describe that? How would you, um, how would you describe over, you know, a podcast or an audio, like maybe give some tips or just maybe give us a picture of what it is that you do with people to help them to become legendary and to become wholehearted people? Okay. Um, well, I can tell you there's a couple tools that we give, you know, almost all of our clients because they've not heard these kind of things before. Um, and my wife, whether my wife came up with this or I don't know where, but I got it from her. So I have to give my wife credit, uh, Jennifer Foreman. And it's that we go to bed at night and a lot of people say, oh, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, um, you know, we saw 20 new patients today. We made four new sales. We, you know, I read a book, my, you know, I got the kids off to school, like whatever it is. Right. But that's where a lot of people end is they're grateful for the things that happened that day. And that's fantastic. That's, that's, that's phenomenal. I believe in that. But I think that the, 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 the more important and powerful part is, is that you need to be grateful for the things that you want to have transpire the next day. Mm -hmm. And so we give gratitude before it happens. So if you really truly <laughs> believe that things are going to happen, right? If you really truly believe that, why not be grateful for them now? Yeah. So I, I can tell you like last night, I was grateful for all these things, you know, things that happened that day, people that I helped and da da da. And then I said that I was grateful for the, um, uh, three new patients that would call in today, whether they wanted to get in today or, or whatever, and that, you know, they were people that really got who I am, that really appreciated the care that I give, and it really understood the value. And so I got these three baseball players, they're all from the exact same team, one of the high schools I work with, and they all called separately. They didn't, and they're like, oh, I didn't know you were coming. Oh, I didn't know you were coming. I didn't know you were coming. And, and it was just that energy that I put out there. I was already grateful for the three people that were going to show up. Uh, actually, I think back at a fourth one, another guy um, mm -hmm. show up, and so um, just happened to have the ability over my lunch hour to to work them. So I just stayed and I worked over my lunch hour. So I worked for seven hours straight through, and it was absolutely a blast. I mean, because um, we we love what we do, and we love helping people, and they were phenomenal people. And I can tell you that when I'm in a really good place personally, that my life around me, the outside world, when the inside world is really coherent and really good, everything on the outside. Yes. is that much better it's never oh perfect nor do i want that because i think i die like seconds later or something right but yeah. it's it's really really good like i get great clients i get appreciative clients i get clients that are willing to pay me because they understand the value um you know uh, someone just positive things happen like just really really good things happen and there's been years that you know before i was really into the space i'm at now you know, like 23 years ago when I first started, I didn't believe this kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I didn't know this kind of thing. So it's been a journey for me. 
um, I thought it was going to be just the guy that did the physical stuff, like just the sports injuries and 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 just the rehab after 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 an accident and that kind of thing. And what I realized was I was really missing the boat. There were there were things out there that I didn't know why people weren't getting better. I, I because I was always telling people I'm really good at what I do. Give mm-hmm. me six to eight treatments, you should be significantly better. Mm-hmm. And if they weren't, I couldn't figure out why. And then there'd be a couple people that I would see later. Um, and they'd say, oh, yeah, I went to so-and-so, and they, you know, I, I completely healed. And I'm like, really? What'd they do? Oh, they just either talked to me or, you know, they did this energy work. I'm like, what? And <laughs> I would learn all these different things, and I'd start putting that away. And then that was when I realized, okay, I'm missing the boat. There's, there's got to be another, another aspect or, or several aspects to helping people to get on their journey of health. And it's not just the physical part. Like, that's the end result. Yeah. Um, so I can tell you, I've had patients that you know, had cancers, and yet the reason I believe that they had cancer and they came to the belief of that was that they didn't like the relationship they were in. They didn't like the town that they were in. They didn't like what was going on in their life. And so they almost, in a way, created that to get out of the situation they were in. I said, if you're that powerful to create that, why don't we create something more powerful in a positive light? Like, because I really think we're we're all these creators, you know, within our own world. And so I think, I believe that God gives us the ability to create whatever we want in our life. And so why don't we turn it into something that's beautiful and, and powerful for other people too, you know, so we can share that wealth. And, and, and that's what we really attempt to do is to teach people about the gratitude for the following day, not for the, just not just the previous day. That's mm-hmm. number one. And then number two is, is we talk to people a lot about visualization. And so visualization meaning, you know, you're looking on the screen of your mind, you close your eyes, you go, where am I right now? And you see where you are, but where is it I want to be? And then what's it going to take to get where you want to go? If you know that, great. If you don't, then you just keep visualizing what it is that you're trying to create. So just like that, if I said those three new patients, I actually saw the three new patients walk in my door last night when I was going to sleep. So to put them into that subconscious mind frame, you know, it's almost like a meditative type or prayer type state. It needs mm-hmm. to be about the last five minutes before you fall asleep and the first five minutes when you wake up because you're in what's called an alpha state and so your brain's really really receptive and open to all this information because we know that during that period of time whether it be prayer meditation you know an alpha state you're going to take in about anywhere from 10 million to 40 million bits of information per second and if you are in the conscious state like i am now i'm going to take in 10 to 40 bits because that's the beta state it's just you have to have these filters, otherwise everything that bombards your brain you go crazy with. So yeah. you have to you have to create these filters and you have to filter things out of what you think is possible or not possible. But the way you get to make things that are impossible possible is you have to tap into the subconscious mind. And the way you do that is, like I said, is the last five minutes before you go to sleep and the first five minutes you wake up is that's what has to be a vision. So one of the things we talk about is you can have goals, but goals will change. Like Goals will change as sometimes within the day, but visions will never change because my vision started back in 1980 and, and my vision was always to help people and to be a beacon and a guide for others like my sister was for me. And I look back now and I go, wow, I, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm a beacon and a guide. Now, the goals that I had, like when I first came out to Arizona was I wanted to work with Arizona State University. I wanted to be their team chiropractor. I wanted to be the Arizona Cardinals team chiropractor. Those were goals, those weren't visions because my overriding vision was always to help as many people as possible. So those goals have changed because I've worked with all those team uh, players. I've never got in with the teams, but I worked with the players from the teams. And I'm talking about all of them. And, and I realized, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna change that goal because that's not really, that's not my vision. 
and it's not even really a goal anymore. I've done that. Okay, move on. And so, but my visions always always stayed the same. I don't think visions in my in my belief, visions never will change. You can have multiple visions too, but the vision you have for your life will never will never change. But goals can change, um, and those would be the things that I would tell people if they're really trying to make a difference in their life. Would be um, uh, looking at it that way. Like, wh- how would you paint your vision? What's the color? What's the texture? So think of it this way: If I'm blind and I said, "Hey, Carrie, what's so? What's you know? You have the, you said your favorite color is blue. I don't know what blue is. What, describe blue to me." And you go, <laughs> "I don't know. Like, it's blue." But yeah. then you'd say, "But there's different types of blue. There's royal blue. There's navy blue." But how would you describe blue? Would it be? Would you describe it as being a hot or a cold? Would it, cool. would it be rough like like a concrete, like a sandpaper? Would it be soft like silk? Like that's the kind of descriptions people need to have when when they're having a vision of what's the color what's the taste what's the temperature what's the texture you know on and on and on and is it near is it far like if they were looking in their mind where would it be like right front and center off to the left off to the right and then they have to tag other things with that vision that they already believe in like i know the sun's gonna rise in the east okay so i see the sun rising out of my bedroom window and at the same time i see my vision whatever it is that I've created, I want to create that vision. And I just keep putting those two things together. The one thing I know is being a fact, and the other one, I'm trying to change it from a belief into a knowing. So that's the other thing we teach people is that if you can take beliefs, because beliefs will change a lot like goals will. I believe goals and beliefs are kind of very similar. And then if you can take a uh, uh, an approach where your visions and your knowings, like I, I just like you do I don't believe in God I know there's a God right because mm-hmm. I, I personally feel it and see it every day so mm-hmm. for me it's not a belief it's a knowing like, mm-hmm. I know that um, I know the sun's gonna rise and I know that there's good people out there you know um, the beliefs that I have will come and go and change and the same thing with my goals and so those are probably the three biggest things that we you know talk to people about of trying to set a vision what you do before you go to sleep at night and then at what time like the the last five minutes and the first five minutes when you wake up and so that's kind of the, the groundwork. And then from there, there's all these other things you can do while you're awake, but that's also in the conscious state. And that makes it a lot harder. Mm-hmm. If you can spend, not spend, but invest your time in that period of time with your vision and then maybe have a vision board, that's, but that, see, that's where I've seen vision boards not work as well mm-hmm. when people are in the conscious mind because the conscious mind goes, really? You're going to go to Tahiti, really? Well, you don't have money to pay this week's bills. How are you ever going to go to Tahiti? But your subconscious mind goes, oh, you want to go to Tahiti? Okay, cool. Let's see what we can do about that. You know, And yeah. you can start attracting those things in your life. So my personal opinion is, is you're going to get a lot more and you're going to reap a lot more fruits from your labor if you're putting it into the subconscious than the conscious. Not that you can't do that, but you better make sure that you're at least doing it in the subconscious as opposed to if you're only going to do one or the other, you better be the subconscious, not just the conscious. Yes. Oh my goodness. So one of my favorite things ever, like one of my passions is, is finding truth all over. And, and the things that I have discovered to be truth are the things that other people speak of and in their own language and their own experiences, but down to the core, the principle is the same. So everything that you just described are the same things that I teach. And that I've discovered for myself and that my husband and I share on our mechanic to millionaire podcast. I mean, it's just so amazing. And the to find one more truth to go along with that, the scripture that says faith is the substance of things hoped for and not seen. And that's what you described as oh. far as having the gratitude for the thing before you have it. You hope for it. 
And it's something that, I mean, to me, a hope is something that comes from within, which is, I believe when it comes from within, it's um, God given. It was planted there like a seed, right? We tap into that as something we hope for, but we haven't seen it yet. But we create a substance and of it by following that belief and by feeling that gratitude and just hope because hope is a good positive feeling just like gratitude, right? So I've had so many experiences of been able to put that into place and to be able to see. For example, really quick, I was I was really wanting confidence and I kept looking I just wanted to know what confidence felt like because I'm like if I can know what it feels like to feel confident, I feel like I could I could grab hold of it. And I could do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was, but it was really abstract to me. And I always had quoted that scripture as faith is the essence of things hoped for. And essence is abstract and you can't really hold on to it. And that's how I felt about confidence. And I had a few discussion, discussions with my coach. And then I went back to the scripture and I read it and it said substance. And I'm like, oh my goodness, substance is tangible. Like I can touch it. <laughs> and so I'm like banging on the table right here and I'm creating vibrations. Um and so then I started thinking, well, if it's if it's a substance that I hope for, then how do I want confidence to feel? And I started imagining how I wanted to feel instead of being afraid or of being, you know, unconfident. Is that the word? <laughs> um, not confident. And yeah, then I would look at people and I would, that's that person looks like they're confident. So what about her is confident? And then I would start mimicking those things. And it was almost immediately, as soon as I allowed myself to hope for those feelings and to create them in my mind, give myself something to hold on to instead of that abstract essence that I couldn't grab onto. All of a sudden I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm feeling confident. And it was really amazing. So anyway, it just, to me, it's just that. an extra no, proof. That's, that's, that's the same, the same concept that I'm talking about. That's yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. And so you had to paint a picture. You mm-hmm. had to paint a vision. And like you said, what does it look like? What do I want to feel like? What's the smell? What's the taste? Like okay, whatever mm-hmm. those, those senses that you need to use for you are then that's what you use because then it becomes real for you so if i tell you that oh you should you know think about you know um purple flowers you go i don't like purple flowers i don't even like flowers in general that's not going to work for you so you have to figure yeah. out what it is that works for you but from the inside beautiful. i love that isn't love it amazing that. i love it too and then you know if you go further they describe faith as a seed so many times when you buy a package of seeds especially if it's the first time you've ever planted a garden you buy them and it's kind of, you know, a hope that they'll grow. So you plant them and then you have to nourish them and you have to give them sunlight and water and give them the right soil. And if you were to wait a few minutes and it didn't grow and give up on it, then it's going to die. But if you continue to, you know, weed the garden and water it, yeah, eventually it's going to grow into a plant. And then, you know, if it's a carrot, you eat the carrot. Suddenly, you know, like you were talking about, now it's a knowledge. Like I know, so I don't have to have faith anymore. And then I can go on and find faith in something else. So anyway. A lot of fun. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. And I use that analogy about seeds all the time. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I tell people if you threw seeds down the ground and you went, oh, well, where's the apple tree? Well, it takes time. Yeah. And if you didn't know that, just like you said, you said, well, I, I tried it for a couple, you know, I tried it for a couple nights and that didn't really work. Well, okay. <laughs> but how, how long does it, how, how long is the maturation? Do you know? And they're like, what? I said, well, because we know that a child stays inside of a mother's belly for a certain period of time, but we don't know how long it's going to take for your dreams to come true, for Mm -hmm. your vision to come true. And so because you don't know, if it's really your vision, you'll never let go. I I can tell you a friend of mine, her name is Tedadai Trent, Dr. Tedadai Trent, and she was um, from Zimbabwe. She's actually known as Oprah Winfrey's number one guest of all time, and she's a friend of mine. We were on stage speaking together, and, um, you know, we became really good friends before, but especially after this conference we were at. It's called the uh, National Resilience Institute's annual conference and so 
we were talking and she was telling her story on stage and I was asking her more about it. But when she was just a child, um, she was sold for a cow. Her family sold her for a cow so that she would be wed. And by the time she was uh, 13 years old, she had five children. Wow. And so, yeah. And so, but her dream, her vision, I should say, because they have something called a, um, a dream can. You take down, you put on a piece of paper, all your dreams, you put it in this can, and then you put it in the earth, Mother Earth, because just like it would grow a seed, it's going to mm. grow your dreams. And she said every day she thought about what she wrote on that. And one of them was to go to the United States. Second of all was to um, get a bachelor's. Third was to get a master's. And fourth was to get a PhD. Hmm. And her mother said before she put it into the ground, she said, you need to write a fifth one. It needs to be that you'll come back and teach the, the girls in Zimbabwe. Mm. And so that's actually what she does now. Oprah gave her $1.5 million. That was Oprah's first school in Africa was because of Tedadai. And when she saw what she went through, and it took her 20 years. She didn't come to the U.S. until she was in her 30s. And she mm. got all of her schooling paid for because she knew it was going to happen. And what happened was when she was growing up, she was actually doing all the homework for her brother. And one of the aid workers from the U.S. said, wow, you're really, really smart. How do you know how to do all that stuff? She said, I don't really know. I just do my brother's homework because he can't do it because it was illegal for girls to go to school then. And so wow. she was doing, She said, I need to get you to the United States because you're a really smart girl. And then now you look back and you go, wow, this lady's one of the, you know, she's been to the United Nations. She spoke at the United Nations twice. She's yeah. Oprah Winfrey's number one guest of all time. I mean, these are some pretty lofty things. And when you talk to her, you're like, wow, this is an enlightened woman. She really knows what she wants to do in this lifetime. And she, she knew it from a very young age. She knew very young that she was going to be this powerful woman. She just didn't know how long it was going to take. And then the cool part is, all of her kids are like doctors and engineers and attorneys, and they're all really well-spoken because she told them about the importance of education. Hmm. So, you know, what oh you're talking goodness. about, this lady lived it, and she didn't plant yeah. the seed and go, oh, well, where's that, where's that tree? I planted it. She knew it was going to take time because she was 13 when all this started, and then she was like 33 or 34 when she got to the U.S., so that was oh 20 goodness. years later, and um, she's going strong, man. She's, she, you, would, you would really vibrate well with this lady. She's an amazing lady. Oh, I would love to meet her. Wow, that's so incredible. And you know, um, <laughs> it all started from a desire that she had as a young child, and then she never let go of that. And um, that's one of the things that I've come to understand and to know, and again, that I teach in my voice program. It's first understanding yourself from the inside out, the value of who you are and the value of your desires and of your dreams and connecting to those. And so many times I was there, I was, you know, I, I wanted to know what my purpose was and what my passion was, and I'd forgotten and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we get a little bit impatient. We have a dream, and then life happens, and we don't realize that all the life that's happening is actually bringing our dream to fruition. It looks like it's working right. against us. And so we let go of our dream, and a lot of us just won't reconnect to it. But this woman, it sounds like, never lost sight of that dream. You know, the symbolism of putting it in the can is incredible, and that helped her maybe hang yeah. on to it. But then she waited, and she let the she let it be nurtured by her life, right? And then it, be, it came to fruition, and that's what... That's what it is. It's like I help people connect to their value to remember what their their core motivations are, what their core values are, and then I teach them to be open to new ideas like you've introduced to us today, and then to set an intention to act on that. And whatever the action is, you'll be inspired as you hold on to your dream. So we don't have to know how to do it. We just need to know that that's our dream, like you said, and it will come to us day by day and to take action on those things that come to us. And then doing that will clear out all of the false beliefs that we get about, oh, I must not, was, you know, I shouldn't have my dream because life is trying to tell me different, you know, clearing all that out and changing the stories and 
letting it become a belief in us again that, wow, this is actually happening for me. This is the nurturing that my seed takes. And then expression is the final thing that when it becomes a knowing, I know this is who I am. And now I'm going to be that so I can be the change. I can be that legend. I just really love the synergy when people connect in passion and when they connect in truth, there's always a synergy and I always get goosebumps. I wish you guys could see the goosebumps on my arms with every podcast interview. It's really fantastic. And this has been really, really fun for me. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I ask you my final question? Actually, I have two questions for you. No, I mean, I, geez, I could talk to you for hours because right. the fact that we vibrate at the same level and that we're doing the same thing, uh, just maybe with different language or with different people. You know, the one thing I'd say about you is, isn't it really glorious that you went through not having a voice yeah. to discover your voice and now you can help other people discover their voice? Because if you've always had it, how do you teach me to get my voice if you've always had your voice? That, that, that wouldn't ring true to me at all. Like, I, I just wouldn't gravitate towards you if, like, well, you've been, you've had your voice your entire life. Like, mm-hmm. But I don't, and I'm 52 years old or 54, I'm 80 or I'm whatever. How do I get my voice now? And you could say, you know what, been there, done that. And I go, oh, okay. So think of the people that you're, you're, you're touching with um, the fact that you had to go through that, um, like you said, and it's, it was actually working for you and it was preparing you. It was preparing the teacher so when the student would appear, you'd be ready, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, wow. This has been, like you said, I could talk to you for hours, and we've already proven that. <laughs> we've been together a few times, and <laughs> we can have a good conversation. Um, my first question for you is, how do people get a hold of you? If they want to work with John and Jennifer Porman, maybe come to one of your retreats, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, there's a couple of different ways. You okay. can get on uh, my, my speaking website, which is drpinspires.com. Awesome. Again, drpinspires.com. Or, you know, if they're looking for uh, the clinic, then they could go to sportsdocsaz, so S-P-O-R-T-S-D-O-C-S-A-Z.com. Okay. Or if they're looking for the legendary living retreats, they could go to legendarylivingretreats.com. And um, we have one coming up in Sedona in November. And then we'll be in Costa Rica in either January or February. We're having our, our first one overseas. Oh, that's so amazing. looking forward to that. Costa Rica. Yeah, no kidding. Awesome. I know, right? Yes. I will put those in our show notes so that if anybody you know needs to look at them, they'll be there. Thank you for okay. that. That'd be awesome. My final question, and I alluded to this before we began recording, was um, I, for most of my life, I'll, I'll tell you where it started. I... I I fell in love with Anne Murray, the vocalist, the Canadian singer, when I was a child. And she had a song called A Little Good News, where she talked about all the news that she turned on was always bad news. And she was just looking for a little good news. And I vowed at that time that I was going to create some kind of a newspaper or some kind of something that I could spread good news in the world. And so I like to ask my guests at the end of my interviews, if you could tell us a little bit of good news in your corner of the world. Uh, well, last night my daughter got a hold of me and told me um, that w- she works at she goes to school full time mm-hmm. and she's got like I don't know, like a three point seven she does really well she's at Eastern mm-hmm. Carolina University and um, she's exercise science but she also works about thirty five to forty hours at Starbucks and still has a great grade point average still works out still you know does all the great things nice. but every time someone comes through the drive through they're always asking for Janae. <laughs> Wow. And so this one lady came through and she said, you know what? I had to ask for you. I know that you don't always work at the window, but every time I leave, I feel better because I've talked to you that I've actually got to see you and wow. then give her a $50 tip, you wow. know? And she said, dad, 
I don't even care about the money. That was so sweet that she took time out of her day to go through the drive-thru just to tell me how much I've meant to her. She goes, because that's the whole deal is that when people go through here, I have no idea what they're going through. But all I know is that when they leave, I want them to feel a little bit better than they did before they came through. And she goes, no, I don't even care about the coffee. I just care about touching people's hearts. So I'm wow. like, wow. You know, like she wow. gets it. She's only 20 years old and she gets it. That's that's amazing. That is amazing. And it's that perpetuation where the woman took the time and maybe listened to inspiration to go back and let her know how she'd been touched will perpetuate your daughter, you know, to keep doing that. And not to say that she wouldn't, but it just, yeah. it, it builds to the power of that, right? And when we can um, collaborate, yeah. we can work together and we can, um, I know there's a word I'm looking for, we can validate each other and the gifts that we give, then it just helps us to make our gifts even bigger and more far-reaching and legendary, right? Yeah, I agree. Yes. yes, exactly. Yeah. My goodness. Wow. This is incredible. Thank you so much for your time and for your insight and your energy. I know that everybody's feeling it through their devices as they're listening. I appreciate you. And tell Jen hello for me, would you? I definitely will. Perfect. And thank you for having me on. You bet. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. EWN Podcast Network.